You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. And we have been uh, preaching through Jesus' parables uh, about the kingdom of God. Right? And parables, just to remind you, are these short little stories that have a way of sticking with us. Uh, and today we come to our final parable in this series, uh, the parable of the wedding feast. And as you just heard read, it's not an easy one, is it? It's not easy to understand, and it's certainly not easy to stomach either. Uh, but I'm hopeful that uh, things will come into focus as we make our way uh, through this parable together this morning. Uh, whenever we are talking about the kingdom of God, uh, there's always an already and a not yet aspect uh, to it, right? meaning that there is both a present and a future reality uh, to the kingdom. And these parables of Jesus, these parables that we have been looking at over the past uh, two months, they give us implications for both the present uh, and the future. Uh, but I think it's helpful uh, for us today as we come to this particular parable to know uh, that in our parable, Jesus is primarily uh, addressing uh, the future reality of the kingdom, right? when all things will be made right and new. And so with that in mind, I really just want us to jump uh, right in uh, to our text today. Jesus begins this parable telling us that there's a king, uh, and the king is, is hosting this big event. And as with any big event, the invitation goes out. And, and so we're going to look closely at this invitation, and we're going to learn three things. Uh, we're going to see what's the occasion, like, like what are we being invited to? Uh, secondly, who's going to be there? Who is attending this event? Uh, and then finally, What's the required attire? Like, what are we supposed to wear uh, to this thing? So first, what's the occasion? Well, if you look uh, right there, verse 1 and 2, you see it's a party. Right? And not just any party, but it's, it's a wedding party. And not just any wedding party. It's, it's a royal wedding party. Like the king's son is getting married. And his father is throwing him a royal celebration, a, a wedding banquet. It, it's a feast. Now, a wedding feast uh, in those days would have sort of started mid-morning and it would have gone the entire day, sometimes multiple days. Uh, in verse four, the king says, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Right? The king has personally seen to it that this, this is gonna be the party to end all parties. I don't know what you imagine when you think about uh, the kingdom, but my guess is that it's not this, right? It's not a wedding feast. Uh, when, you, uh, when we were young, right, we tend to think about God as, he's sort of like this schoolmaster, right? And he's trying to make sure everyone follows the rules, no one gets too far out of line. As we get a little bit more uh, older, a little bit more advanced in our thinking, I would say it seems like we, we really just don't use our imagination much at, at all. Right? The kingdom of heaven is some far-off place that's just really hard to picture. Right? And so we, we, just, we just don't give it much thought. Right? But in this parable, Jesus, he elevates our thoughts about the kingdom. Right? He says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a royal wedding feast. It, it's a party. Uh, my two girls, uh, like any young children, they love parties. Uh, and specifically, they love 
birthday parties, preferably their own, right? Uh, my oldest daughter, Ruby, turned five this past August, and she planned it for months. She had a ballerina birthday party. And if you know my wife, you know that she is great at throwing uh, parties uh, for my girls, and so this thing was, was awesome, right? A ballerina invite went out. She made tutus for all the girls at the party, and uh, there was a, a giant, just beautiful pink princess cake, and then sort of the pinnacle of the party, Miss Constance showed up. That's right, to teach the girls, walk them through a, a ballet lesson. And Ruby was looking forward to this party for, for months. And so when Miss Constance showed up, her eyes just lit up. She was so excited. She's dancing around the room. She had so much fun, so much fun uh, with her friends. And as you parents know, uh, the very next day, the questions started. When is it going to be my birthday again, right? You see, this image is an image that children can really sink their teeth into, isn't it? The kingdom of God is it's like a party, And and, and of course, we as adults, we we love a good party just as much as a child does. And what we see uh, in this story that Jesus is telling us is this, this isn't any ordinary party. This is the biggest, grandest party that you can imagine, right? The host promises to spare no expense for this party, only the finest food and drink, only the greatest entertainment, only the most enjoyable conversation and, and dancing and laughter, The king in this story, of course, it's God. It's God himself, and and he is inviting us to the wedding feast of his son. He is the host, and he is sparing no expense. We see this idea repeated throughout the Bible. Uh, Isaiah 25 talks about this coming feast, and it says, uh, The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. Uh, of food, uh, rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. Like the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. It's, it's far beyond anything we could have imagined. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 says, uh, No eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The kingdom of God. It's a lavish and extravagant party. That's the occasion. That's what we are being invited to. So uh, who is going to be at this party? It's an important question because while the invitation, as we're going to see, goes out to everyone, not everyone accepts the invite. Uh, So as we see in the story, the king sends out a a general invitation. He sends us out well in advance, letting everyone know the date uh, of the party so that they could be well prepared, right? Sort of like a a save the date. Uh, And then on the day of the party, uh, on the day of the wedding, he sends out his servants in person to go visit all of those who are invited, uh, calling them, right? Today's the day. Come and dine with the king and his son. Come, come to the party. For a society that was predicated on honor and shame, nothing could bestow more honor to oneself and then by extension to one's family than attending a royal wedding, let alone the wedding of the king's own son. This is the kind of event which you made room for in your calendar. You circled the date. Don't forget it. Be there at all costs. But as we read in verse 3 of the story... 
The king sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. They would not come. This is especially shocking to Jesus' audience. This is, this is not something that you would do. It was incredibly disrespectful. It, it would be like, like spitting on the king's face. The king here would have been well within his rights to punish the people for such, such blatant disrespect. But instead, Jesus says, the, the king is patient, he's kind. He, he desperately wants the people to, to enjoy the party, to be there, to honor his son. And so what he does is he sends a, a second group of servants out to, to try again. Right? And they go around and they knock on doors and, and they're, they're urging, they're pleading with the people now. It's like, hey, I, I, I don't know if you misunderstood. I don't, I don't know if you didn't get it, but the party is today. The, the king wants you there. He desperately wants you there. The food is ready. The table is set. It is going to be awesome. Come to the party. But again, uh, the people, as we see in verse 5, they ignore the invitation. They refuse. One goes out to his field. Another goes out to his business. They're just not interested. They've got better things to do. Some, as we find out, are even hostile to the invitation. They, they kill the king's messengers. Again, this, this is a shocking response. Who would do that? Who, who treats the king's generous invitation so flippantly and defiantly? Well, that's exactly what Jesus wants us to be asking ourselves as we hear this story. Who in their right mind would do that? When I was in grad school, uh, I was working for uh, this small nonprofit organization, uh, and uh, this organization was largely funded by this one really wealthy donor. Uh, his name was Joe, and I got to know Joe uh, during my time working there. And Joe was he was just this incredibly generous, incredibly uh, uh, gracious man. And as I got to know Joe over those uh, few years uh, of working there, I learned that Joe was unbelievably connected. He knew everybody. He knew everybody in, in the city of Dallas, really important people, really famous people, uh, but then also people around the nation. Uh, one uh, Christmas, Joe decided to uh, throw a party, and he invited everyone uh, at my work uh, to come. Uh, and so uh, I was excited about the party, and uh, as uh, the weeks began to draw closer, I started to find out more and more about this party, and specifically who was going to be uh, at this party. Uh, the mayor of Dallas was going to be there, some members of the Dallas Cowboys were going to be there. Uh, and then get this. You're not going to believe this. Justin Timberlake was going to be at this party. Can you believe it? Uh, I was incredibly excited. Here's the bummer. I didn't go to the party. I missed it. You know why? I had scheduled months in advance a dentist appointment. Isn't that lame? I couldn't go to the party. Now, uh, if that story were true, and it wasn't, none of it, completely made up, uh, but if that were true, right, you would look at me and you would say, Kendall, like, don't be a fool. Right, cancel your dentist appointment. Those are super lame. Right, you, can, you can reschedule. Go to the party. You get to meet Justin Timberlake. Right? Don't miss out on that. Right, and that is what Jesus' hearers would have thought and listening to this parable as Jesus gave it. 
they'd be like, wait a minute. This doesn't, something's not adding up here. Like, you've got to go to your field? You've got to go to your business? No, 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 no. You are being invited to the table of the king. You get to eat the king's food. You get to be served by the king's servants. Who in their right mind is saying no to that? Uh, The king's invitation to the wedding party in this parable, it's nothing other than God's offer of salvation. It's his invitation to life in his kingdom with his son, Jesus. And the invite, as we see, goes out to everyone. It goes out to all people. But due to hardness of heart, Jesus says, not everyone accepts. And so who does? Who is going to be at this party? Well, after the first group refuses the invitation, the king says, okay, fine, go out to the street corners. Go out to the streets and invite anyone and everyone that you see. I want the banquet hall filled with anyone who is willing to come to the party. And that's the answer. Who's going to be at this party? Well, quite simply, anyone who wants to be there. Everyone who is willing to come. And the point that Jesus is making here is that the people... Uh, that are ready and willing to go are usually not the first among us. Uh, The first group of people invited, they're too proud. They're they're too preoccupied to see what they are truly being invited to. Uh, One of the main points that Jesus has been making really throughout these parables that we have been looking at uh, is that uh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The people that are willing to receive the king's invitation are the people who see themselves as the least of these, the lowly, because they know, they they see the gap. Unlike the the proud and the hard-hearted, they they are well aware of themselves. They they see their current state and they they, they see what it is they're being invited to and they're like, yeah, I'm going to that. I'm, I'm canceling my plans. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So let me ask you, is that you? Is that you? To see the glory of God's invitation, to see the glory of the king's invitation is to see the gap. The king, God, is continually inviting you He's inviting you out of a life of pride and self-reliance and preoccupation with earthly things and he is inviting you into life in his kingdom. The invitation of the gospel is nothing less than being invited to the wedding feast of God's own son. You get to sit at the king's table. You get to eat his food. You get to enjoy his blessings. You You get to know the king personally. You have been invited to a joyous wedding feast. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go? Through the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, God is inviting all people. He is inviting all people into his kingdom. Anyone who is willing gets to come to the party. Isn't that great? But, as we see at the ending of this parable, there is required Attire. And so let's finish by looking at what it is that we're supposed to wear uh, to the party. There's a yellow jacket on my Bible. There we go. Kids, don't do that. 
let's finish in verse 11, looking at what we're supposed to wear to this party. Before we look at that, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been underdressed for an important event? Like you just didn't check the invite and you missed where it said black tie event, right? Or, or maybe uh, have you ever been inappropriately dressed for something? Like you really thought it was a costume party and you show up and now you're looking like a pirate with an eye patch for the whole night? It's a little embarrassing. Well, Jesus says here at the end of this parable that the consequences for not dressing appropriately for, for this party are a little worse than just humiliation. And so look at what he says there in verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Man, it sure would be nice if this parable just ended at verse 10, wouldn't it? The wedding hall was filled with guests, right? And the camera just sort of pans, the movie ends, but it doesn't. The story goes on and it ends rather uncomfortably, to put it mildly. Someone gets thrown out of the party for being underdressed. What in the world is going on here? What is the deal with this wedding garment? Well, the king in this story, right, as we just read, he finds someone at the party who he doesn't have on the required clothes, Right? He, he had not dressed decently for the wedding. Culturally, that would have meant dressing in clean and preferably white clothes. To dress uh, otherwise would have been uh, an insult to the host. Now to clarify here, this is not uh, a poor man who just couldn't afford nicer clothes. That's not the image Jesus uh, is putting forth. This was a man who showed up to the party deliberately and offensively shabby and ragged. He showed up in his own filthy rags thinking they were good enough. Thinking they were good enough. And his his tattered, complacent, outward appearance expressed the inward reality of his heart. Uh, the ending of this parable serves, it serves as a warning to us. And so I'm pleading with you, don't miss this. Don't miss this. All are invited to the kingdom of God. All are invited. But you cannot come to God on your own terms. You cannot come on your own terms. Uh, That doesn't mean that you have to get your act together before you come. It means rather that you cannot come half-heartedly. You you cannot come with a a disposition of of holding back. When when Jesus says at the last verse there, many are called, he's saying many are invited, all are invited. And then when he says few are chosen, he's saying that many will refuse the invitation. Some casually refuse because they're indifferent. Some openly refuse because they're, they're hostile. 
And then as we see in this last example, uh, some refuse uh, in a more subtle way. They they pay lip service to the king's invitation, but they never truly embrace it. It's a half-hearted response. And Jesus says that even this response, even this refusal is subject to the king's judgment. Warnings are difficult, aren't they? They're harsh. They seem harsh sometimes. They oftentimes seem restrictive. But as any good leader, as any good parent knows, warnings are a means of grace. They're a means of grace. The invitation to God's table is sheer and utter grace. But we must know this. It is not cheap grace. And to treat it as such is to miss the very heart of the invitation altogether. Because you see, we aren't just being invited to a party. We are being invited to honor and delight in the king's son. That is the heart of the invitation. Come, anyone who is willing, anyone who desires to honor and delight in Jesus, come with your whole heart. Those are the king's terms. Do you see it? We cannot come to God on our own terms. We cannot be like the man in this parable. You cannot pay lip service to the reign and rule of Jesus in your life, but have no desire to honor and delight in him. The bad news is that just like those who refuse the invitation in this parable, we, we are all self-reliant and rebellious. We are all proud and hard-hearted. And the worst news is that we have no power. We are completely powerless to change our rebellious hearts. But let's rejoice in the gospel together. The good news, the glorious news of the gospel is that it is God's delight. It is his delight to change us from the inside out. Amen? We cannot come to God on our own terms. Our filthy rags just will not cut it. We must be clothed in the clean and undefiled wedding garment. In Isaiah 61, the prophet Isaiah is describing, much like Jesus in this parable, what the kingdom of God is like. And he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to to put forth the invitation. And here, I want you to listen, here's the good news. Here's the invitation of the gospel to anyone willing to receive it. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. The wedding garment in this parable, it's a pointer. It's a pointer to the very righteousness of Christ. The true wedding garment that we need is the robe of righteousness that God freely gives us in his son. We all have We all have a righteousness gap in our lives. But the good news of the gospel is that God is inviting us to receive the very righteousness of his son. And we receive it by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so my prayer for us, Providence, is that God would grant us, by his grace, 
to continually have eyes to see the unsurpassing beauty of Jesus and the glory of his gospel invitation. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.